Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, everyone. I am the New York Daily News NFL columnist and Giants beat writer. Fresh off the plane from the Arizona Biltmore, the NFL owners' meetings, a fun week with Roger Goodell, Brian Dable, Joe Shane, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, all the big shots in the NFL all in one place. It's a great trip. The Biltmore in Arizona, one of the most beautiful hotels I have ever seen. My second time at that specific property and so much to get caught up on, but I want to narrow it down to some of my favorite experiences and the places where I can take you most inside what went on and not just what you saw on social media, on the ground in Arizona. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about Bet Online and believe Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the web- website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's all caps, B L E A V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And where I want to start is Odell Beckham Jr. If you notice, if you look on my social media, my Twitter account, P Leonard NYDN, my Instagram, at PL on NFL, you'll see there is not a photo of Odell Beckham Jr. at the Arizona Biltmore. The reason for that is that I was sitting with him. I was talking to him, shook his hand, said hi, talked to him a little bit, observed him as he was speaking to the Giants and then the Jets. A lot of what happened in that moment, where I was, what was going on, was off the record. You have to understand there are on-the-record availabilities at these events. We, we spoke to Brian Dable at a coach's breakfast. We spoke to Joe Shane in a general manager press conference with the New York Beat and some national reporters. We spoke to co-owner John Mara, which I will get to in a second. But then there are a lot of interactions where you have side conversations. Some can be on the record, some off. In this case, I was hanging out and speaking to and conversing with people from the Giants. There were people from the Jets present and Odell Beckham Jr. As I'm speaking with Brian Dable, people with the Giants, Joe Shane is in the vicinity and there were a jet, there was a Jets contingent as well, including Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, everybody coming together. Odell Beckham Jr. had arrived at the Arizona Biltmore to meet specifically. He had one meeting scheduled as our guest last week, Josina Anderson from CBS reported that was the Baltimore Ravens. So he met with the Baltimore Ravens, but also put himself in a position where he could walk around this property knowing that the brass of all of these other teams he was interested in would be present. And so as I am gathered with these uh, coaches and GMs from these other teams, Odell Beckham Jr., his agent, Zeke Sandhu, and his assistant, I believe, come down the path and they see us and handshakes, hellos, greetings. And I'll just say this, Odell Beckham Jr. and Brian Dable know each other very well. They did talk. Odell Beckham Jr. did say hi and shake hands with Giants GM Joe Shane. But it was extremely telling to me 
that while they talked and had those conversations, Beckham and his agent eventually ended up in an extended conversation, all standing around in this specific area with Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, and the Jets. It was hard to come away from that interaction not thinking that the Jets were the front runners compared to the Giants when it comes down to Odell Beckham Jr. and where he might sign as a free agent. We obviously know Aaron Rodgers is recruiting him. We also know that Odell wants to get paid. Every player in free agency wants to get paid. And if, hypothetically, a team is going to outbid another, it's not going to be the Giants in this instance. The Giants don't have a lot of salary cap space. That said, I cannot betray confidence of what was said off the record or comments made. I will say that I walked away from that interaction, though, with my impression strengthened that Odell Beckham Jr. would love to and likely will end up with one of the two New York teams. It's not a secret that Odell wants to be back in New York. These are not the only teams interested in him. The Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills. These are all teams that have kicked the tires. The Dallas Cowboys obviously did back in December. But there is no question in my mind that playing in MetLife Stadium, being his home stadium in 2023, clearly is the preferred destination and end result if all parties can make it work. Now, it was great to see Odell. Uh, he does bring, he just brings a different kind of energy to a room, to, uh, to an area next to the lawn outside at the Arizona Biltmore, to a locker room, to a field. Uh, he had green pants on to match his meeting with the Jets. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a meeting though. That's what the interesting thing about it was, and that's what I want to convey to you is that was how it all worked out. Was he put himself in a position to run into these different teams, and so it was very interesting seeing this free agency uh, tour play out. You know, we saw it he, him flying around the country back in December maybe even into early January. And then now we see teams went to see him work at, work out in Arizona. And now him being living in Arizona, he then makes his way to this hotel, puts himself in position to have these conversations. And we all walk away with a different kind of buzz coming out of the owner's meetings because Odell was there. And namely because, let's face it, because he ran into the New York teams and spoke at length with the Jets. But we all know, listen, if all things are equal, I do think the Giants hypothetically uh, you know, would be the team. I hear John Mara say to me and to a few other reporters there that he is in favor of re-signing Odell Beckham Jr. if Joe Shane and Brian Dable can make it work. I see Odell and Brian Dable interact and I can tell, I already know, because Dable confirmed for us that he speaks to Odell either text message or FaceTime that he's he has communicated with him fairly recently on the phone but we also I also see in person right there for myself as a part of the group he and Dable talking to each other like they're continuing a conversation from a month ago and that they have a relationship and that it's a comfortable one and so there's no doubt in my mind that if all things were equal and let's say every team said Odell, all we can give you is 
uh, one year, $4 million with a few incentives. Let's just hypothetically say nobody met his asking price, whatever it is, it's been reported that it's now 15 million. Um, you know, I think that there's wiggle room everywhere. I think Odell obviously wants to be paid like a top talent, but also has to be realistic about teams guarding against his availability. Um, and I do think he deserves incentives to have the potential to earn a lot of money, but that here and now the market, um, it has to be realistic. So when I say all things equal, if every team was offering him the same contract at this moment, I do think the Giants would have a great chance. The problem is that contract clearly wouldn't look like Odell likely would want it to look. And so that's where we end up in this kind of uh, standoff, if you will. Now, that was a fascinating um, scene to behold and to be a part of. And uh, that was not the only fascinating scene, however. And let me let me tell you this. This is all on my final day at the NFL owners meetings. My final day of being there four days and a lot happened in those four days. You know, John Mara had told us that about Odell before. Um, a lot going on with the Washington Commander sale and uh, bids coming in on that team. Lamar Jackson and his market, and we'll get to those in a moment. But on the same day that o Odell Beckham Jr. tours this hotel, John Mara, the Giants co-owner, comes out to the lobby of the Arizona Biltmore. And he has just emerged from the owners and league meetings discussing several topics, but namely casting a vote on Thursday night football flexing. The proposal that the league was apparently in Mara's eyes trying to force through was to begin start flexing games from Sunday to Thursday to improve the Thursday slate late in the season. Uh, I believe it's from weeks, I think it was weeks 14 to 17 or 12 to 17. I think it might've been weeks 12 to 17 at the end of the season when everything's prime time, all these games matter and they're trying to make sure they don't have duds on Thursday night. But with only four, 15 days notice for teams to switch back from Sunday to Thursday, I can't tell you how impressive and great of a stand it was by Giants co-owner John Mara to come out to the lobby. And let's just be honest here. He upstaged Roger Goodell's press conference that was minutes away from happening. John Mara came out and said that it was abusive to fans in to flex games from Sunday to Thursday. He said that he did he was adamantly opposed to it. He's glad it didn't pass. He's afraid that it's going to come back up in the May spring meetings in Minnesota and that it might pass then. He didn't like that the NFL now has made it clear that now teams have to they might have to play up to two games on Thursday nights. So before it was you couldn't play more than one Thursday night game in a season. Now that number is up to two. From a player health and safety standpoint, John Mara was frustrated with that. But namely, he was standing up for the fans. And listen, everybody, you wish every person, every NFL owner, every person in charge would stand up for the little guy. But the reality, as we know, in the real world, that never happens. Not only does it not usually happen, it never happens. And for John to stand there and become, once again, the conscience of the league, and also to really throw a shot right back at the NFL's commissioner and say, if you are trying to force us and force our fans to go through this kind of thing, I am going to put you on public blast because this is not okay. And Mara did that not only by 
articulating how strongly opposed he was to it, using the word abusive was, I thought, a key moment in that entire um, in that entire answer that John Mara gave speaking about that, because that really articulated how uh, little he thinks and wanted people to know that the league thinks of fans and their families and um, what they can do when a game is changed, when they're buying you know, thousands of dollars worth of tickets to a game that is then changed abruptly last minute to a different day, to a school night, you know, those kind of things that people have to deal with in the real world that the NFL doesn't care about because they just want an extra dollar and they want to satisfy their broadcast partners who are complaining because they paid all this money to broadcast these games and they don't want, um, you know, some crappy, uh, you know, Titans, um, you know, Broncos game late in the season or whatever it is. And so, um, you know, I thought that was admirable by John Mara. And I thought it was especially noteworthy to explain to you the timing of it all. It happened after the NFL network executives had started to explain at their own press conference that this issue's discussion had been tabled, almost saying, yeah, you know, we're going to have teams play maybe two Thursday night games, but we're going to revisit this vote down the road on uh, flexing Thursday night football. We'll have that discussion more later. But then John Mara coming out saying, no, we took a vote. It didn't pass. I'm, I'm scared it might pass because it was close, but I'm glad it didn't because of X, Y, and Z. And I think it's wrong. And, uh, you know, that was, I think, an important moment and a meaningful moment and one that I think will come back up several times, not only in the news cycle, uh, but definitely in later May when the NFL owners reconvene in Minnesota. Um, to discuss that, to possibly slash likely discuss a, a Washington commander sale that may or may not have happened by then, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, the third item I wanted to explain about the NFL's owners meetings was Lamar Jackson. And I just wanted to reiterate something that I think has been said in the media before, but really needs to be said again. First of all, it was surreal being at the AFC coaches breakfast at the MacArthur Ballroom at the Arizona Biltmore. And I was actually standing at the table of Jets head coach Robert Sala, listening to his non-answers about Aaron Rodgers and about the Jets team. As that was happening, really almost, it wasn't the second, but it was close to the second that Ravens coach John Harbaugh sat down in his chair at his table across the room. Lamar Jackson tweets that he had requested a trade from Baltimore on March 2nd, I believe, or March 3rd in early in the month, and that it hadn't been granted. And the reason he requested it was because nobody was meeting his desired value. And so, of course, I and many others end up making our way over to Harbaugh's table quickly. And being a part of that interview, I asked Harbaugh several pointed questions about it. How do you put this back in the bag now that your franchise quarterback has said he wants out? Um, He said all the right things. He even supported the way Lamar was handling negotiations on his own. But uh, really was a poignant moment and a big moment for Lamar, I think, to try to reclaim at least some of the narrative that had been getting away from him as leaks were coming out on the league and maybe even agent slash union side on he he needs to have an agent. Um, The fact that uh, the teams keep talking about his durability, that people keep guessing at what he wants and doesn't want when no one was saying what he actually wants. So I thought that was a necessary thing for Lamar to do. Definitely a shot across the bow as head coach. Uh, John Harbaugh did well to uh, 
act like he didn't take it personally, but there's no doubt that Lamar put him under fire and on the hot seat by releasing that tweet when he did. That was well-timed by the Baltimore Ravens' former MVP. But I think it also goes to show, and it needs to be said, that all of these owners and coaches who are saying they aren't interested in Lamar Jackson when he's available are completely full of it. You know, Arthur Blank, the Atlanta Falcons owner, saying that they're concerned about his durability and availability to games when he was all in on Deshaun Watson, who had uh, games that he was about to miss pending all of his off-field transgressions, not to mention a guy who I believe has torn his ACL twice in his football career as well. So you're pursuing Deshaun Watson a year ago, but now you're out on Lamar Jackson. Please explain this to me. Ron Rivera, the Washington Commanders head coach, saying they never pursued Lamar as an option because it's not the right fit for us. Are you kidding me? You would have been fired already if you had a different owner or if Dan Snyder had been running the team and not out on his butt because of all the things he's done wrong and is under investigated for under investigation for. Not only does Rivera need to be saved by a better quarterback, Eric Bieniemy is now there as an offensive coordinator trying to prove that he can execute and run a competent offense and prove that he can one day be a head coach. What better way to do that than to get a quarterback who makes everybody look smarter? What how why would you not go get Lamar Jackson? You're going to save maybe save Rivera's job, make Bieniemy look good, your team's going to be better. You're going to and this is another point that is connected to this. New ownership with the Washington Commanders, what does that mean? That means a new stadium. That means maybe competence in how you're assembling your roster. These are things that for you to sit there, Ron Rivera, and say you would you have never looked into it is absolutely ridiculous. It reflects incompetence and ignorance. But of course, it's not only limited to those teams. The Miami Dolphins are a team that obviously we know Lamar wants to play for and in my opinion, should still be pursuing. And I still find it hard to believe that Stephen Ross, the owner there, who has, you know, got suspended for tampering with Tom Brady and, you know, Sean Payton and all those and all those things, has been constantly trying to upgrade his quarterback position. I don't care that they picked up to his fifth year option. Don't tell me that Stephen Ross isn't in the back of his mind looking at how that might be able to happen. So you look at these situations and you say, how can anybody not be stepping up and saying this guy would make our team better? And that's why I say kudos to Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager, for stepping up and saying, listen, this is an option. We have to look into it. This is somebody who is a great player, is a great talent. Whether we end up deciding yes or no, this is something we need to look into and pursue because it's no secret, essentially, we're upgrading the quarterback position. Whether it's through the draft or through free agency, we have to make it happen. And so the Colts, as of right now, are posturing as the only team that makes any sense when they open their mouths when it comes to a great NFL player and Lamar Jackson being available. Now, when Robert Kraft revealed that Meek Mill uh, told him that Lamar wants to play for the Patriots, obviously we saw stories come down um, later that day, that night, and the next day that the Patriots would not be pursuing Lamar Jackson. But you know, I think there's something to keep an eye on there in New England when when the owner is putting something out like that, what is he trying to say? Why is he telling people that Lamar wants to play there if the Patriots aren't going all in for Lamar Jackson? Think about that. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And is is Lamar Jackson 
if Robert Kraft wanted people to know that Lamar wants to play for the Patriots, then is he prepared to give Lamar Jackson the fully guaranteed contract or the record-setting contract or whatever contract he wants? Is Robert Kraft prepared to do that? And if he's not, then why is he putting that out there? I do think, you know, I see those reports and I I even heard myself talking to people thinking, well, the Lamar Patriot thing probably isn't going to happen. X, Y, Z, whatever, uh, you know, um, reasons people want to give you. But I will say this, if I'm the New England Patriots and Aaron Rodgers is on his way to the New York Jets soon and Josh Allen is the Buffalo Bills quarterback and the Miami Dolphins, look, I still think they could be trying to upgrade their quarterback position um, behind the scenes looking into options. We'll see where that goes. If they don't, though, they still have one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. Their roster is getting stronger. The speed on the field is undeniable, even though I am not a big Tua believer. So if you're the New England Patriots, is Mac Jones really your guy? Like, it's really hard for me to believe that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are looking at that situation and thinking that they're okay at the quarterback position compared to the rest of the division. But you look at Kraft say that, you hear Patriots say they're not interested, or at least that's what people who cover them are reporting. And you wonder what's going on there. And those it just doesn't seem to match up. Now, I did talk to one prominent NFL agent at the owners' meetings. I'm not going to divulge who because I don't want to make it look like like I approached him, and um, it's not like he was lobbying me on anything. You know, I was just asking the questions. But I asked one NFL agent at the owners' meetings, "Do you think Lamar Jackson would get the fully guaranteed or big contract he is looking for if he had an agent?" And the, the agent said to me, obviously, I am biased being an agent myself, but I do think he could achieve that if he had somebody representing him. There's a reason why you know, 95 or 98% of, of players in pro sports have agents. They do provide a service that others cannot provide, especially in the relationship business when it comes to connecting to owners, connecting to front offices, connecting to teams, leveraging them. Uh, creating a public narrative that can help you get it across the finish line and help defend the player in his case. You see Lamar trying to do it on on Twitter by himself, contending about his durability, about his integrity, not sitting out games, um, announcing finally and trying to take control of it, saying that he asked for the trade. How could an agent help bridge that gap? How could an agent make that... Um, you know, that situation arrive at a conclusion more smoothly. I think, um, you know, I think it was worthwhile, even though of course an agent is going to say, Hey, I'd love to represent that guy and get him all that money. And I do think I could, you know, they're making a case for themselves as well. But it just was interesting to me that this agent thought Lamar could get the kind of contract he's looking for if he had representation, which means that this agent thinks there is a market for this guy if the market is played appropriately. So I thought that was an I thought that was an interesting conversation and a telling one, and maybe we'll see down the road if it's um, something that comes to pass. But I do I did come away from the owners' meetings thinking less confident in Lamar being a Baltimore Raven. I will say that, and I don't think that's anything new. But uh, the trade request, the idea that he's telling fans, you know, I'll love you always, no matter where I go. Um, you know, and saying that he wants out and doing it to Harbaugh like that seems like something that's hard to come back from. Um, the final Lamar piece I want to put on it is 
The Washington Commanders are up for sale. There are now two $6 billion bids in for the purchase of the franchise from Dan Snyder. And I wrote this in the New York Daily News recently too, but if you're the Giants, you got to be scared. Your daylights have to be just, you're blinking your eyes saying, please, no, no competence, please can arrive at the Washington Commanders ownership suite. Because if it does, not only do they get a new stadium and the fans will be happy back there, but what does new ownership typically do in pro sports? It comes in and it tries to make a huge splash. It's usually in the form of a trade, a signing, you know, Steve Cohen and Francisco Lindor with the Mets, uh, Matt Ishbia and Kevin Durant with the Phoenix Suns. Lots of different examples, you know, in San Diego with the Padres, with the Brooklyn Nets when Mikhail Prokhorov came here. Now, listen, it doesn't always work when you just throw money at big players and big names and try to do it that way. But I do think that if you look at the Washington Commanders situation, if ownership is resolved early enough this offseason, could Lamar Jackson be the kind of splashy signing and acquisition and trade and contract that that franchise needs to get over the hump on the field and off the field from a season ticket ticket seller standpoint, you're, you know, you're, you're still in that DMV area, the Baltimore, DC, Virginia, Maryland, Lamar doesn't go far. He's still got a ton of fans there. He rejuvenates and revives what used to be a storied NFL franchise that has fallen into disrepair, uh, which is a nice way of saying it. I do think that there's a huge chance um, that, if new ownership comes into play for Washington soon enough, there won't be honestly many more moves they can make as a, as far as a big splash goes, then going and pursuing Baltimore's quarterback. And for the giants, that could be a disaster because they're three and 21 against the Eagles and Cowboys combined from 2017 to the present day. And they have seven wins, four losses and one tie against Washington in that time, seven wins against Washington, three total combined against the Eagles and Cowboys. So they're not looking for the division doormat, one of the division doormats in the NFC East, to suddenly get new ownership and maybe get competent and maybe acquire a star quarterback. I know the Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens last year and Lamar made some key mistakes, uh, but that would just be a very difficult thing to stomach and swallow if you were the Giants. And that's why John Mara, I think, answered the question, from uh, our friend of the podcast, J.P. Finley from uh, NBC Sports down in Washington. He said, um, you know, would it be good for the NFC East if the commanders are sold? And John Mara said, you know, the NFC East doesn't need any help. Like the NFC East is strong enough. Like, you know, keep keep it going. Keep yourselves right where you are. We like where you are because we like getting a couple wins or a win every year out of Washington. So that's a fascinating story to cover at a national level and also from a local New York level and an NFC East level. There's just so many layers to it. And of course, it connects to the Lamar Jackson market in the here and now. Um, and so, you know, that's that's all I have right now from the big headlines coming out of the NFL owners meetings. But I'm going to continue to trickle out a lot more news and information as we go into the NFL draft, the top 30, vis- top 30 visits, pro days. You'll find stories of mine on the Daily News website right now about MetLife Stadium having new turf down already that the Jets and Giants have agreed to. The Giants already put that new turf as well in their practice facility. You'll find a story from from me on Sterling Shepard and the fact that sources have told me that the Giants, including owner John Mara, want Shepard around once a Giant, always a Giant, even after he's done playing. 
So they've re-signed him. They're hoping, and he's hoping to re- to continue to revive his career, to be a part of it this season, and to keep playing. But 30-year-old Shepard obviously had a, a lot of injuries now. If and when he ends up hanging him up, the Giants want him in the building. They feel like the building wouldn't be the same without him. He brings great energy, brings a great vibe to the whole place, and that's something that uh, they are really bullish about. And so um, I can raise my hand, be the first one to say, you know, Shep, hope you don't go anywhere and hope you end up taking the Giants up um, on that offer. Uh, hopefully it ends up being a demand. Uh, but as all, as always, please like, subscribe, and review this podcast on YouTube at PL on NFL, on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we appreciate your listening, your viewership, your support, and we will continue to have a lot of more great guests this spring, and we're going to keep rolling through the offseason. I got to admit, I started this and I was going to do it through the season and then taper back the once a week schedule of this podcast. But we've gotten such a great response and people have been so gracious coming back, listening, providing great feedback about the content we're providing that we're rolling straight through right now. And, uh, you know, even going to have some weeks coming up where we end up with two podcasts. And, um, you know, we, we're really excited about what's coming down the pike here at Believe and at Talking Ball. So uh, thanks so much again, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.